Listen to season two of Crossing the Enterprise Chasm, hosted by WorkOS founder Michael Greenwich. Learn how top startups move up market and start selling to enterprises with features like single sign-on, directory sync, audit logs, and more. Visit workos.com slash podcast. Make your app enterprise ready today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow False Start Edition. This is your host, Ben Popper. I wanted to give a quick intro before we get started. The episode you're about to hear was recorded on March 6th, and it involves myself and my wonderful co-hosts, Cassie Williams and Sierra Ford, talking about what's going on in the world of software, technology, AI, and large language models, LLMs. Well, The episode was recorded March 6th, and so much has happened since then. It's an amazing time to be working in the field of software and technology, to be working at Stack Overflow, to see all of the excitement and the changes and the work that's being done by software developers all over the world, and the impact uh, this technology could have on folks. So if today's episode sounds a little bit dated, if it's missing a few things that you think are kind of big news, we're not ignoring them. Uh, This episode is just recorded a few weeks ago, but stay tuned. We plan to have lots of great guests from Stack Overflow and from all the big tech companies coming on in the near future to discuss everything that's happening in the space. All right. That said, please enjoy. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, joined for the first time in a while by my wonderful co-hosts, Cassidy Williams and Ciora Ford. How you doing, y'all? Good. How are you? Hello. Hello. So, Ciora, I know you need to start out as always with something K-pop related. <laughs> tell, tell me the latest, and I'll see if I can find a segue into something else. Okay. Cool. So, I was scrolling through Twitter just earlier, and I obviously like get a whole bunch of K-pop updates there. And I came across this one tweet where somebody tweeted a video of just an audio of Beyonce being interviewed and she's talking about a BTS member and how awesome she thinks he is. And she's so excited for his new album and it's all AI. Deep fake. (laughs) Oh, it's all fake. Yeah. It just sounds, it got you. Like you, you didn't, the voice didn't sound computerized. Yeah. And I, the voice certainly didn't sound computerized. I could tell that it wasn't Beyonce, but like it definitely after some refactoring could be like, I can see the potential of this actually being realistic. And so I just thought that was interesting because I know like our last, I think our last episode together, we talked a little bit about like AI art and music and stuff like that. So I'm just like, (laughs) I don't know how to feel about it or what to think or whatever, because it's just, I don't know. I was just kind of blown away. Yeah. It's wild. I I recently experimented with Eleven Labs. I don't know if either of you have heard of them. They're in this space specifically for generating audio. And uh, I experimented with my own voice and it was trippy. Where I I put in just a bunch of audio samples and stuff of my own voice. and, And then what I had to do is I gave it a blog post that I wrote and had it read the blog post. And then I recorded myself reading the blog post and just compared the two of them. And like... yeah. The weird thing was the the cadence was very similar. Like the the timing of the audio was within a second. Like it it wow. was wow. it was the cadence was perfect. The only right. thing that it was really missing was the dynamics of my voice. Like there there mm. was no emotion in it. Right. But 
it got the sound of me right where like if someone didn't know me very well they'd be just like oh dang that's cassidy but right. if either of you heard it you'd be like this but is also great. like you said how much data you gave it like a few minutes or a few seconds i mean yeah, if you were less than you 10 know, minutes of audio yeah exactly so like if you took every audio track from here or just fed it you know a couple hours worth of podcast it would start to get better and better yeah <laughs> I tried to do That's the voice cloning thing back uh-huh. in like 2017, 2018. And with a couple of hours of audio, it got like eh, close. And now it's this one shot thing. Like give us 30 seconds and we'll put out something that's a passable right. fake. And it, it generated the audio in less than 30 seconds too, oh, which is wild. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. It's so trippy. Like it's it trippy. really is. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to know. Like, you know, we had a crypto wave and it was like, it was going to change the world and web three and VR and AI. And like, it's like, we've been down this road before, but I guess the difference here is that like the results are a little bit more tangible. Like, it's not yeah. like this will change banking someday and this is how we'll all do it, but we're not there yet. It's like, try out this magic trick and see if it works and it does work, you know? Yeah. And there's like no yeah. disputing the results. Yeah, I think this is a little bit different than the other like trends or fads, whatever you yeah. want to call them. Um, because of that, because there are like concrete results that you can see or read. Um, people are writing whole articles, resumes, all kinds of stuff with AI. They're making audio and music and art and stuff. I don't know how to feel about it because I see the potential for good and bad. Right. <laughs> right. And then I think I say this, I feel like I say this all the time, but there's like no regulations. There's no, nobody putting any restraints on any of this. And so the possibilities are endless and that's a good. For better or for worse. (laughs) So I wrote an article a while back called Ben Popper is the worst coder in the world. And, you know, I've been at Stack Overflow for a long time and dabbled in learning to program and learned a lot about it on the podcast, but just always felt like it's something I'm not naturally good at. And so like, you know, trying to invest a lot of time to get to the next level, it's not worth as much as like other things I could work on. But the rise of these AI coding assistants got me thinking again, like, all right, it's time to go back to the well. So I was trying to make my dog park app, you know, super simple, go to the go to the webpage, tell it what time you're going and what your dog's name is. And that's it. And the thing that's crazy is on the HTML JavaScript side, it's become like a natural language interaction. I say, make a web page that does this and it does it. And then I say, change it so the buttons are like this and you know so it displays like this and it does it the question i have like for both of you if you played around is the back end so then i was like all right i need a database like write me some code for a database and it did it was like the best thing you could do is this in php and i said i'd rather use this other database and said okay i'll rewrite this but i'll write it in node.js even that was like a little bit scary where it's just like oh no problem like you want it in this language or that language i'll do it but in the final phase you know we're like i had to connect the database to the web app there was some error and the you know ai assistant couldn't debug itself like it couldn't tell me why this error was happening i had mm. to google i ended up at stack overflow that's not a plug <laughs> that's just like you know what happens it's just yeah. what happens it is really striking how far it can take you and then of course there's like still this like you know sort of plateau you reach that it can't get past i don't know what do y'all think i have a question how much control does it give you over the code like can you do you have any access to the code or is all that gated and they just say, here's the product or can you make yeah, changes a great to question. it if you want So to? you can say, rewrite the code above to do X or like, can you rewrite the code above to do Y? Or you can go in and, and say, I rewrote the code above with like these changes and I want you to do X and it will try to do that. Okay. Because I'm wondering like, 
the database not really working out if you could like go in and fix it and like basically have an app that was partially created by yeah that's so that feels well so i was always copying the code over and running it separately <laughs> okay. like on a you know a web page through a cms so like it was generating the code but it wasn't running inside of the assistant okay i think it's okay, really one sense. of those things where it'll always work to a point until things get yeah. complex and so kind of like yeah. kind of like what you said like when it started hooking things up you started to need to be the human figuring out okay here <laughs> why why is this actually not working right. Um, a friend of mine is on the board for a university, and she recently went and gave some lectures there and, and had a bunch of meetings. And in this Econ 101 class, um, Economics 101, she asked them, she was giving a lecture on generative AI, and mm -hmm. right. more than half the class was doing all of their homework with AI, like their their homework was just completely done by it. Wow, and they were saying like, I don't understand why this is a bad thing. Uh, all these students were just like, it's it's nice because I don't have to do it, and and uh, <laughs> great. And, and okay. Meanwhile, she's okay. like, oh no, now the, right. the youth. But the thing is, right. what she had to really explain to them is that it works to a point. They are in an right. econ one hundred and one class. Most people could probably say like, yes, supply and demand, and like macroeconomics versus microeconomics, like very very very. Right basic stuff but once you get beyond a certain point it can't answer certain ethical questions or larger questions just because right. it's not a model that knows everything it's a model that knows what is the likelihood that the next word is correct that's what these large language right. models are and so these will get better but i don't see them fully replacing anyone for a long time Right. Someday we're probably going to look on this episode and laugh, but there's only to a point where these things can yeah. really help us. Right. I wonder if the students were quizzed in the Econ 101 class, if they were quizzed and it was like, you can't use anything, it's not open book, you have to, I wonder how much they would know, especially right. the yeah. students who use like AI to do their homework, because I'm thinking like the accountants and all that stuff, stock workers of the future, right? like- I know. Are they going to know their stuff? Because for me, it's a little bit different if you're a professional using AI. Yeah, I know some people use it for like writing articles and things like that, because the likelihood of you actually knowing your stuff is pretty high. You got the job, like you're already working, right. you have working knowledge and stuff. So I get wanting like to use like AI to do your job a little bit because you know you know how to do it, but for whatever reason, right. you don't want to. No, I think your point is really rock solid, Sierra, which is like how much retention is there and how much learning is yeah. there, you know? Right. Like Cassidy said, this is Econ 101. You read the book, like you have the homework, you input the questions, it gives you the answer. Maybe you look at the answer. If you then had to do a quiz with just a paper and pencil, would you remember it as well as if you'd done the homework yourself? Like, I'd guess probably not, but what do I know? I mean, like, I don't know. It's That's an open question. Or, and then I wondered too, because... With AI, once things get complex, it's a little harder to like actually use it to do things. Right. And so that's when we have to step in, right? That's when right. you actually have to like step in with the knowledge that you have and fix the code or whatever it is. If you're using AI to do the foundational basics, right? right. Like the homework and the stuff while you're learning. Right. When it comes time for you to pick up the slack of the AI and deal with the complex stuff, will you be right. able to? Yeah. Right. That's kind of what I'm that that's the big about. thing. This turns into a whole larger conversation too, just about the timing of this 
with freshmen in college who finished high school in the pandemic and a lot of Mm. very, very formative years. And what Mm -hmm. was particularly interesting, again, my friend was telling me all of these stories about it at this school, was so many students, they just got used to being very, very isolated and, and not being around classmates and stuff, remotely learning, and then also kind of just getting away with a participation grade rather than mm. actually learning the material, because that's just what happened in the last two or three years of wow. their schooling. And so that's between so that and then the timing of AI, they're just like, mm. this is just how it is. I don't understand what the problem is. And the right. disconnect yeah. there, she was saying that it was really challenging for all of these board meetings to process where there's all these students saying, I don't understand why this is bad. I'm showing right. up to class. Like what, who cares if I don't well, do the yeah. work? Yeah. I guess like to, you know, to, to play the devil's advocate, it's a question. And I have this with my kids now who are in grade school where it's like, you got to learn how to do this long division. And it's like, this is so painful and nobody wants to do long division. And like, honestly, in life, you will never have to do this. And that's the thing. You'll have a calculator and a spell checker and like, Nobody out in the world expects you to do long division in your head. It's not a useful skill, right? And so right. the AI assistance now, it's like that to the nth power, where it's just like, if if a computer can do this for me, then it's not something I need to learn because it will always do it for me in any situation. Like, let me do something. I need to focus on doing things it can't do, right? Because otherwise, all things being equal, like Sierra said, you're gonna. it's not like you're not going to use these tools at your job. This is really interesting because this is a topic like I feel like I've thought about so much, specifically, especially about like the next generation of professionals who spent like formative years in the pandemic. Because I graduated high school like a couple years before the pandemic happened. So I like missed like that phase of being a high schooler and like not doing all the typical high school things because you're living in a pandemic. So I didn't have to deal with that. I was trying to get into tech during the pandemic. So (laughs) I see the difference of like just a couple, like people just a couple years younger than me between like me and them. I read a tweet once. I spend way too much time on Twitter. But anyway, I read a tweet (laughs) once where someone was saying how like that age range of like 14 to 20, like they're stuck and so many people were in the comments saying how like i feel like i haven't aged since the pandemic happened like Mm. i was i it started and i was 14 and now i'm an adult like they're stuck in time so it's Mm. like it started when i was 15 and i'm 18 now and i'm technically an adult but i don't feel like i've progressed at all right so all of this just makes me think that we have no idea like the impact, the long-term impact that the pandemic is going to have on our future as a society. And it does worry me a little bit. Uh, There are some jobs where you can get away with like not knowing too much and like having automated things happening and Googling on the job or whatever. But there are also a lot of jobs where you need to know stuff. Like you have to know your stuff because people's lives are on the line, stuff like that. So I just wonder how this will impact mm. that kind yeah. of stuff, you know? It's spooky this to think about, it, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I guess, Cassidy, what you said rings true. I was talking to somebody the other day who's a social worker at a high school, and I hadn't even really thought about this, but she was saying she plans a lot of like social events for them because they don't know how to do that. Like they didn't do it for two or three years, and... Now it seems alien and they like really, she's super popular at school, like the best guidance counselor. Cause like 
she will plan the party and they'll all put away their phones and hang out. And yeah, it is hard to like, it's hard to put yourself in those folks' shoes because like you live that part of your life. It was formative. You did it. It's hard to imagine like missing that and being like, I don't get how to do this, you know? But I guess like that is, you know, they're going to have to spend the next few years experimenting if they want to, you know, getting back to IRL and see what that's like. Yeah. I just think the long-term effects the pandemic is going to have like on the world I'm interested in seeing how that turns out. I'm kind of sad that I have to live through it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it would be better to have like to read about it instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, that was something that again, this friend of mine has talked about, and then just other friends of mine who are in academia, they've said like, for example, a lot of Greek life or like the sororities and fraternities normally they mm-hmm. recruit super heavily from the freshman classes, and right. this year and last year were the first time where they said actually, we might need to ban them from our group because they don't know how to act. And like they resort to vandalism instead of like talking out problems. And so many just social cues that you normally would just pick up in high school or interacting with people. And they've truly just been at home, isolated and watching YouTube. And so many of them have just been... This is the most dystopian episode yet. I know, but... And unfortunately, (laughs) it's real. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I can't believe how much like two, three years in a pandemic has like affected, especially that like teenage age group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and I have no idea how it is for children because I don't interact with kids that much. But like right. that teenage age group is so, so, so affected. Like, yeah, I can't believe it. I think I have a tiny bit of insight there. Not to say that there weren't, you know, people who had problems with screen time addiction or video game addiction or internet addiction before the pandemic. There were and there probably still will be. But I definitely think there's a a cohort of kids, unfortunately, like these college students who spent most of the pandemic on a tablet or a phone and now like don't know how to operate outside of that and built deep social connections. They're spent, you know, eight hours a day playing Minecraft with friends. And now that they're like being asked to go back to school and do stuff without it, you know, are really struggling. Yeah. So many people I know who actually transitioned from being teachers to being tech workers just because of, mm-hmm. again, pandemic things. They were saying that it was it was almost like they were taking their rights away if you said, put your phone down. Like like the <laughs> yeah. students were just freaking out about it because it's, it, it's like you said, they just got so used to it. And yeah. even some younger people that I know, we were talking about just like our screen time where I was saying, yeah, I'm trying to reduce my screen time. I've got like four hours a day on my phone, not a huge fan. And then they show me and they've got like 13 hours a day on their phone. Right. That blows my mind, but that's just what they have been growing up with. Yeah. Yeah, They have like a whole life on the internet. Yeah. And that also makes me think about like keeping your kids safe on the internet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a totally different topic, but like I just thought of that just now. Like, you know, it definitely affects children and teenagers as far as their like social development goes and emotional regulation and stuff. I heard a venture capitalist talking the other day. He was like, What I wish is you had a little slider, right? And so my kids are going to spend X hours a day on social media, and I can tell the algorithm, you know, 25% of that is going to be math and science videos. And it's like, this is a nice thought, <laughs> but Good luck, you know, <laughs> you, yeah, you can lead a horse to water. I guess, you know, to bring this back to some of our earlier conversation, 
there are people now who are having very intense relationships with AI bots. And I forget the one it was recently, but they basically tweaked a bot that had, you know, the bot could be flirtatious. It could be, you know, playful. Oh, it could be a little bit, you know, because it read the whole internet. It could, if you wanted it to be, you know, somebody you met on Reddit, it could be somebody you met on Reddit and they tweaked it. They like to make it a little bit, you know, they put some guardrails up and people were very upset. They lost this partner that they were really, that they had, you know, gotten to know and really into communicating with and like enjoyed the conversation. So when did that movie Her come out? <laughs> I know, right? I was just thinking about that. <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. Because I did not expect 2013, yeah. 10 years later, and it's reality. I it's did reality. not expect that to gosh. happen. Yeah. And, and then again, to bring it back to, you know, this show, out of all the technologies that we polled developers about, you know, this AI-assisted tools was the one they said was most likely to be a part of everybody's lives within a year or two. It was not, and this is an important like qualification, their favorite. Like they felt much more positive about technology aimed at sustainability, open source, machine learning, which is like a, you know, as like a component of it. So it wasn't like AI was like the thing that they hoped and dreamed for, but it was the thing that developers, at least who visit Stack Overflow, were like, yep, no getting away from this wave that's about to crash on us. Yeah, I think I agree with that response. And I think the reason why it's not a favorite is because I know for me anyway, this is what I'm thinking. There's no regulation. Like there's, there's no end to all the things you can do. So that's, that to me is kind of scary. Um, and I'm sure other people feel the same way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So maybe this will be my, my savior. I saw this. It was Andre Carpathy. Who's Carpathy. Anyway, somebody who's thought of as an excellent programmer tweeting out some inspiration from a hackathon, about how these new large language models is all you need, even for a back end. So you can say, hey, I want you to store some data like this, and then you can just start sending it stuff. And then you can say, you know, sort it by this or time rank it by that or delete it like this, and it will do it. So maybe my dog park app in its next iteration <laughs> will have a large language model, not just as the front end, but the back end too. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, it is that time of the show. We want to shout out someone who came on Stack Overflow and helped to spread a little bit of knowledge. Today, we will give out a great question badge. How to assign a name to the size column. Awarded eight hours ago to D1337. Thanks for asking a great question. You've helped 85,000 people learn something with your curiosity. So we appreciate it. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. I don't know if you'll be able to see what I share there. We'll see if the API <laughs> endpoints are, are fixed by the time this podcast airs. Uh, but you can always email us, podcast at Stack Overflow, with questions or suggestions. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. really helps. And I'm Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at OffZero by Okta. And you can find me on Twitter. My username there is Ciorio, that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. And I also have a website. You can reach me there, Ciora.dev. Nice. A whole other point of contact in <laughs> case the API goes down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Cassidy Williams. I'm CTO over at Contenda. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O on most things. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you soon.